talking about the, the Wall Street Journal story. That was, what, 2012? Uh, yeah, that was uh, September, I think, 2012, just, or maybe in August. It was just before uh, the World Classic qualifiers yeah. that took place in Miami. What's... Um you know what? what I mean, the interesting thing about it, the interesting, and one of the interesting things about you is this. Um, I, I kind of like this idea of you know you being well known there and having kind of anonymity here. I mean, you're you're a music booker here, yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden, the Wall Street Journal picks up on that story. Does your life? Do people look at you differently? Um, no, you know, I, I didn't have a couple more friends requests on Facebook. Yeah. And, <laughs> um, but you know, it, it, it's it, it's an interesting story. I think you know when when you say well known in Israel, that's really you know it's it's relative. You know, I'm maybe known in the baseball scene, but again, baseball scene in Israel is not really too huge. It's not exactly the kind of sport that you see on the front page of the yeah. local Israeli newspaper. But I think at that time I was also growing, you know, a long beard. I was one of the th- only three Israelis who actually played on the Israeli national team because, as you know or don't know, the, the, the rules for the World Classic are slightly different mm. than any other competition when it comes to the national uh, level because they're trying to make it a little more kind of even playing field. So yeah. if you're eligible to be a citizen, you are able to play in the World okay. Classic. So most of the players were all American Jews who uh, don't have citizens, so I was kind of like a almost like a became a the token uh, token, token Israeli, Israeli yeah. on the Israeli team, and you know it was a great experience. But you know that I think that's what really drew the the media attention. Actually, the one Israeli who uh, end up the only one who actually ended up playing uh, in the tournament. Um, so the article cited uh i think it, it said there's about a, a thousand people playing baseball at the time all, all ages yeah and all of this um and and, and i, I want to just kind of like uh, you know overview um i mean what's what what if anything has changed in the i guess not even two but year and a half since that article came out i mean is it still is it still a thousand is it any more um, popular no no well actually a couple of interesting stuff first of all uh, i think it was a little higher than a thousand we're about 2500 kids okay. now play baseball in israel um you know, the biggest impact that had, I think, is just the fact that I think more kids have um, a role model or, or, mm. or in a way or someone to look up to when it comes to baseball. Because when I, you know, grew up in Israel and played baseball, um, there was only one TV station. Yeah. Um, and the only way to watch baseball was um, once a week on a Saturday night at midnight um there was a delayed broadcast of the earlier game early in the afternoon so there's no baseball cards there's obviously no israeli baseball players so growing up i think one of the key factors to have a sport be more popular is having some kind of role model that kids could look up to and you know i want to swing like this guy i want to you know i want to make money like this guy i want to be in this playing this and that team and that never happened so the fact that there's you know, uh, an Israeli who played in you know high level in the World Classic, I think, really helped that awareness. Plus, you know, we don't even have uh, a stadium or really a proper field in Israel. So, for fundraising purposes, actually, that helped a lot. And mm-hmm. it looks like within the next year or two, we'll be able to raise close to four million dollars to build a proper field. The only field now in Israel that has lights is a field that actually is owned by a Baptist church. Um, it's a privately owned, privately owned land, so that we we don't really have any full control on it. So that plus one of the guys who's actually end up being um, 
the bullpen catcher for the for the team in the World Classic, a guy by the name of Nate Fish, a Jewish guy who is uh, is better known in the baseball world as the king of Jewish baseball, <laughs> um, has a great blog and is a yeah. he has an ultra ego where he actually you know is the king of Jewish baseball. He moved there about three months ago. It's the first person who ever. Uh, got hired by the Israeli Associ- Baseball Association to be a full-time employee, and his sole job is to really increase <laughs> um, uh, the the participation. So he goes between all these schools in Israel and and gets kids excited. And his, and you know he's and just in the past six months, he's I think uh, raised uh, the participation in the different uh, le- age levels by about twelve percent just in six months. So you know, getting more people involved and 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 more importantly having the winner said, "If if you do play baseball, if you do play baseball, there is a chance that one day you'll be able to go to the states and play yeah. in the highest level. Which you know, when you're when you're a kid and you're and you're a good athlete, you don't want to go to some you don't want to play obscure sport. You want to play a sport that you feel that you know you could fulfill your dream of becoming rich and famous and and playing in front of thousands of people. And baseball was not one of those sports. You know, basketball is, soccer, soccer is, maybe yeah. some tennis and swimming. But um, so I think." That whole experience and the fact that it was televised and there was so much media coverage uh, really helped solidify sport. The sport in Israel is maybe being slightly more um, uh, accessible and, uh, and, and yeah. draw a little more interest from the children. It's it's still I guess it's still surprising to me though even even if there wasn't a lot of if there weren't a lot of televised games that it didn't I mean it sounds like it didn't catch on at all you know that you really that you really were kind of among the first to play it in the country I, I actually was part of the first team who ever that, that ever was established I was responsible which is, actually. Which is crazy because I mean there are Americans over there right I mean there's there are some Americans but you know the, the some Americans that were involved um, were you know either Americans that are there for the US uh, the work in the US Embassy or, yeah. or some military folks and, yeah. and it's not really a lot and and when you're a kid, again, it, it, it's the the sports that you get drawn to, or sports are the most popular sports. It's true about sure. every country. Um, there is so in, in that in that regard, Israel is not special. Um, it was a niche sport like ping pong or like I don't know volleyball or some other sports that are not really that popular. Again, don't forget that Israel spends the majority of its budget on. And the army and the military and, well, that, and very little on yeah. culture and sports. So that's another factor. Of course, if there were some couple of beautiful fields and the Israeli Baseball Association would get more money allocated from you know from tax money from from culture, I think that would have also helped bring up awareness um, on baseball. But that, I mean, that's that's another issue too, right? Is is the military is is the dra- is that being is drafted? A, that is a huge portion. So okay, imagine. Just imagine how it is in the United States. Okay, you, you know you 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 play uh, high school and then you start developing. You start you know growing into your own body, and then and working conditioning. And then usually the best years um, where you really develop as a player and, and, and strengthen is eighteen to twenty one. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? If you could be a great player in any sports in Israel, and doesn't matter what it is, and when you turn eighteen, you're now going to be basically taking time out time at the out prime of your for physical three years and yeah. you know get to see home every three weeks you work in a, you know work you, you you go every day to the military base and barely see home and definitely don't have time to practice i was lucky in that regards where <coughs> there's uh, about 25 slots a year that the army allocates to a special program that's called um 
Israel Outstanding Athlete Program. 25 in the whole country. In the whole country. Wow. That obviously main, mainly goes to basketball and soccer. It yep. has to be an Olympic sport, and back then it was still an Olympic sport. Um, as you know, don't know, you know, baseball is no longer an yeah. Olympic sport, but supposedly it's being back, uh, back, uh, back in the Olympic schedule in 2020. But anyway, so I applied thinking that there's no chance I'll get it, and they actually accepted it. So unlike many other, you know, talented baseball players are, you know, 16, 17, 18-year-old that are just kind of peaking in their, in, in their, in their uh, uh, skills. Yeah. I was allowed to serve close to home, to travel three months a year, to go play in tournaments, to go work out um, in all kind of you know camps in the U.S. and in Europe. So that really what allowed me, I think, to a week after finishing my service to actually go and walk on uh, a college in San Diego, um, which otherwise I think I would probably have just been dropped off and, and, and yeah. you know, probably never played competitive baseball again. So 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 let, let, let's be honest, you know you're. You're 18. You apply for this this military deferment. Um, do you not want to be in the military, or do you want, or are you are you seriously looking to you know, pursue I, I, baseball? I was a freak like that. Where I never, even growing up, I, my dream was never to play major league baseball for some reason because I think it was just so f- so far, far off. Far off. Yeah. You know, my dream was always I want to go play college ball, and yeah. it's and it sounds weird for someone who maybe is here, but that was my dream. So. Since age 10, I'm telling people, this is what I want to do. I was willing to give up my military service and actually take whatever whatever you know consequences uh, that, that that would bring, which usually if you leave before you're 18, you're not allowed to come. You're basically not allowed to come back. And if yeah. you do, you basically have to now serve three years in the military. So I did the traditional you know trip just before, right, right after I graduated from high school and before I went into the Army. I did a trip to the U.S. because I have some family over here and... I, I applied this, you know, filled up this piece of paper that allowed me to apply for this, you know, special athlete program. And I came to the United States for a month and a half thinking this is my last month and a half before I, you know, get stuck in the military for three years. Yeah. And about two weeks before I'm supposed to come back, I get a phone call at midnight from my dad saying, hey, they just called from the, from the Army. They said that you got into this huh. um, program and they want to know, do you want to continue with the program? Do you want to, you know do the regular military service. Yeah. And I said, um, hell yeah. <laughs> I think I want to play baseball. Sign me in. So, <laughs> yeah. so, you know, any thoughts of either giving up or doing something crazy like trying to get out of the Army just to go play baseball, actually that, that allowed me to do both. Um, again, the level of competition in Israel is very weak. When I left Israel when I was 21 years old, a week after I finished, like I said, my military service, they still did not have a mound in Israel, so I would practice all year from either uh, uh, some kind of you know mini hill by electric pole that has nothing to do with a baseball field to working flat ground. And actually, when we every year when we go to went played in, in the national you know European championships or whatever yeah. it is, that would be the first time that I would throw off a mountain all year. So crazy, you know. So it was it was very undeveloped, and I had to force people to, to play catch with me because, you know, it's it's kind of like an after-school program. You, you basically practice on Fridays and maybe a month and a half before a tournament, you practice a couple of times a week. I actually just had a, a friend remind me that um, a couple of weeks before I left to the U.S., I, I uh, was begging for someone to just to play catch with because I'm like, well, I'm going in three weeks to, play in the, to try to walk on a college yeah. in the U.S., I need to find someone to play catch with, and I left a message on his answering on his answering machine saying, 
if you come play catch me this Friday, I pro- guarantee you 10% of my of my first professional contract. Just as a kind of joke. And after the World Classic experience, where they actually, you know, they they paid, it's nominal. It's not yeah. really that much. He calls me back and he plays me back this this uh, you know this message saying you know that I basically owe him ten percent of whatever I made. Um, so it was that challenging to even find someone just to play catch. I mean, it, it's so I think it's so uh, such a, a a stretch for someone who has a baseball field every you know every ten blocks, maybe not in New York, but everywhere everywhere else in the U.S. to even phantom that you actually have to beg someone or or, or search some, you know search someone to even play catch with so that was the kind of condition uh that i had to face yeah well you know and and certainly it's the case here in the in the u.s where every little boy and probably a lot of little girls love baseball and and at some point fantasize of being a professional baseball player but very few of them actually make that transition so at what point you know at what point do you turn from you know, seeing this game, loving this game, to realizing, hey, this is a thing that I'm actually really good at. If there's nobody else really playing the sport, sure. I mean, well, I I, I played basketball that that kind of during. You're six for, four, for, I should yeah, say, for the people who yeah, can't see so, you. <laughs> so for for about seven or eight years, that was my kind of safe haven for someone who was athletic and and wanted to competition and wanted three four games a week. Yeah. I played basketball. Um, at some point, you know, I. I you know, I understood that, that that's not my profession, but that's where I got the kind of competitive drive that uh, that someone who's, you know, 15, 16, 17-year-old needs. You know, I want to have nice uniforms, and I wanted mm-hmm. a sport that I could have great coaching and, and, a, and a good facility, and, and like I said, working out and, and practicing four or five days a week. When I moved to the U.S., and like I said, walked on uh, Mesa College at the time, or junior college, nobody knew who I was, um, like I said, I, that was my dream for me, just playing college ball. And not until I, within a year without using steroids, <laughs> uh, was able to increase my, you know, fastball from basically 69, 70 to mm. 80, and then the following into hit 87, 88, yeah. just by throwing every day. And in that regard, it was good because I didn't really take that many bullets. I wasn't throwing curveballs three times a week when I was 15, you know, 13, 14, 15. I didn't play that much, so maybe I saved my arm. Um, once I started seeing that, I think that's when it kind of clicked that maybe I'll be able to play beyond, you know, just my college years. Um, and actually end up playing uh, Pro Bowl for one year, um, and I did play some really competitive bowl afterwards. But it was, I think it was a perfect balance because here's someone who I was very realistic and, like you said, did not catch yeah. up into that kind of hype and dream of every 15, 16-year-old, well, I'm going to become a pro player. You know, and a lot of kids I played with in college were said, I don't care about school. I'm not going to come to class because I'm going to become a professional player. Well, guess what? As you know, it's a very s- steep pyramid. You know, yeah. if you have, you know, 100 people who play, you know, uh, little league, then you have 50 people who play college, and you have 20 people who play maybe some independent and maybe one of those 100 actually makes it to the big league. Yeah. So I was able to kind of focus and have the maturity to focus on, on, on school and what I want to do, but also be able to kind of uh, uh, play out my, my, my baseball skills as much as possible. But, you know, but it's not like you get to college and all of a sudden you realize, hey, I'm good at, at, at baseball. I mean, something something had to have happened before that, especially if you're getting this deferment. Well, sure. You know, for example, I was, it was always a joke when I was, uh, 
you know, when, when you're in Little League and you're, and you're tossing the ball, there are certain positions, if you have a great arm, that's where they, you know, that's where the position they put you. So if you have a great arm, they either put you in third base or pitcher because third base is the longest, you know, yeah. throw in the infield and pitcher, obviously, for pitching. So I always played third base when I wasn't pitching, and every time we would go and play in tournaments, you know, the, the, the opponent coach, coaches would always come to our coach and say, you know, wh- why, are you, why are you guys calling this guy Shlomo, you know, as a <laughs> slow motion when, yeah. you know, he has a, a good arm. So, you know, I could tell I was good. You know, it, I was, again, the competition wasn't great in Israel, but every time I did compete against some, some good players, you know, I, I felt like I had it. And I, I think later on I, I just understood that I had the potential and I wasn't too hard on myself on, on lost opportunities. You know, I think if I was born and raised over here I would, and happened to be a lefty, I would probably be playing yeah. <laughs> in the big leagues. But, you know, it, it, it's realistic. I know the chances are, are against me in that regard. So I felt, you know, you, you were good and I was athletic and I was able to dominate in the Israeli league. So, you know, that's... Yeah, that's, I mean, that's what you want to win, TJ. You want to be good. How many, like, how many people? And again, this is according to the journal story. But how many people can say I'm kind of the best there is at this one thing in in all of a country? Sure. I mean, again, it, it sounds very sexy over here saying you know I'm probably the best baseball player yeah. who ever came out of Israel. But what, I invite anyone who you know thinks that's a big deal to come you know visit Israel and yeah. see that's actually a very you know small thing. But you know it's 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 got to be a feather in your cap still though. No, absolutely. I mean <laughs> it, it's great, and you know in, in 2007 we actually had one year of professional baseball in Israel. Only five Israeli players, but we f- they flew in people from Japan, from the U.S., from Puerto Rico, Dominican like Republic. Full season. It was a it was a summer, three months, uh, yeah. two months season, sixty games, professional. Everyone paid. They flew everyone in. For me, that was kind of the triumph. Okay, here, yeah. I just finished college. I'm going back. I'm playing in front of crowds of like a 1,000 people because there's a lot of Anglo-Saxon, Anglo-Saxon people in, 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 uh, in Israel. A yeah, lot of, of course, yeah. uh, settlers, a lot of you know, just American Jews who decided yeah. to move to Israel. So playing under the lights in a pro league, getting paid, yeah. uh, was really, uh, for me, that was, you know, that was really cool because you know, I, I definitely feel like I was part of the development of, of, of the sport in Israel and... and um, you know, you know the small things that you know make you smile. That I think, uh, you know, pro players over here kind of tend to f- forget the kind of innocence of being able to sure. sign, you know, sign baseballs, sure. and everyone it becomes like, a chore after a while, right? For yeah, a lot but of people. you know, when, it, when it's when it's fresh and it's not all yeah. the time, I think it's actually pretty cool. Hey everybody, just wanted to take a moment here breaking the action to let you know that this episode of ROIL is brought to you by Hover. Hover is a uh, super quick, super easy way to register a new domain name. Go to uh, Hover.com, uh, take about five minutes, you're in, you're out, you get your, your .com, your .nets, your .ios, and a lot of other top-level domain names you, you probably actually haven't even heard of. Um, you, 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 you Go to Hover.com, enter that info, uh, enter the coupon code SNOOPY, that's our coupon code this week, and uh, you'll get a little, little discount. And then if you have an issue, They've got uh, real life human beings, no waiting. Uh, they they will help you out on the phone. Uh, every, everything will be great. I've all sorts of domains out there that have yet to be registered. So go to hover.com, Snoopy, and uh, everybody wins. So that so that was a one off then that summer league. It was a one off because it wasn't really sustainable. They end up owing a lot of money to a lot of players and um, and. 
it's it's something I think symbolic and actually magical that there was only one yeah, season. Of there, there's been uh, it's like a field book, of dreams two book, sort of. Two books were written on, on that wow. year. There was a, a very uh, a very cool documentary called Holy Land Baseball um, that was done yeah. about about that league. Um, about the whole process of you know there was a there was fun um, uh, there was a draft I mean there, it was it was the real thing the, yeah. for one season um, but then it folded and unfortunately I mean there's still talks about maybe one day happening again but that was 2007 and we're now 2014 but if you're but if they're bringing a thousand people out there's clearly there's interest in watching this game over there there is interest but you know you have to fly people sure. from all over the world um, you have to put them somewhere. Um, you could charge maybe five shekels, which are or fifteen shekels, which is the equivalent of three or four dollars a ticket. But I don't know how many people would pay after. Um, yeah, you know, there's there's not that much concession. Yeah, you know, it, it wasn't really sustainable. I think merch sold great. You know, everyone loved seeing you know these uh, baseball caps with all kind of like Ranana, Tel Aviv. Uh, uh, Bet Shemesh and yeah. all kind of like you know f- real from, from that from, shit. from that regard, I think it was a, it was a, it was a yeah. really great success. But you know, why do a lot of things fail? You know, the, it just it just sure. didn't work out. Sure, I mean, and it, it sounds it sounds like or what we call the long tail thing, where it's like you've got all these kids going to see this thing. So maybe next generation, these kids are going to be and baseball. and and absolutely. I mean, there was a lot of continue continuous interest in. And uh, with children coming and seeing, you know, again, you're a, you're a kid. I didn't have that privilege. You're you're a kid. Your 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 dad is American who moved, you know, 20 years ago from 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 New York. Is a huge you know Met fan, and he's taking his son because finally there's actually a a, a game that he could kind of take his son. And his son comes, and it's a seven o'clock game, and it's beautiful lights, and everyone has uniforms, and yeah. they're saying, "Take me out to the ball game," and. And there's commentary, and there's a TV crew. You know, as a kid, you're like, hmm, that that that's pretty cool. You know, yeah. I could get into that. You know, that that's really what excites. I remember when I was, how I got into baseball. I was here in, in 1986 to visit my aunt in in New York, in, in New York, yeah. and they and and she took me to a New York Mets game. You know, and walking into a stadium and, and with all those people and seeing these beautiful uniforms, I'm like, hmm, this could be a pretty cool game to play. So that. When you're a kid, that's the kind of thing that that ignites your imagination, and and enrollment definitely spiked after that 2007 uh, season. So, so describe describe that first like, you know, the fir- the first the first games or the first practices. How you get from um, coming over here, seeing a game, falling in love with the sport. To how do you actually start playing the sport if nobody's playing the sport in your country? So it's a funny story. I, I, you know, I, I come back a week after I get back. I'm, I'm in second grade. I'm sitting down in the class, and I'm telling my friend that's sitting next to me, hey, you know, I, have you heard of the game of baseball? And he's like, oh, you actually, you know, my dad's American, and uh, he plays softball in Israel. Mm. Like, cool, you know, let's have a, let's maybe have a team. So the first team was... Six boys from my class, plus a bunch of about four or five girls are just like, you know, cheerleaders just coming out to see what's going on, running around. Uh, and that's like the first field. baseball team that, as far a, as you know? Yeah, no, it is. Fact it is. First, yeah. Wow. And I remember, you know, three weeks later sitting down and, you know, the, 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 the dad asking, you know, how do we want to call this team? And we decided to tell Aviv Tigers. And, you know, I remember actually going with my aunt that was visiting at the time and going to the shopping center and deciding on a cool tiger logo and that was our first you know baseball logo and 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 
you know, slowly people kind of seeing it. And obviously, we didn't invent baseball in Israel, but it was the first organized team. And within a year and a half, we actually had our first national team sent to European championships. Got humiliated, lost fifty-one nothing. Our first game ever <laughs> to to, who? Uh, to Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia. <laughs> who's, who um, aren't, aren't really known for their baseball prowess. Well, actually, up until age thirteen in little league, and that's why you always see kind of Saudi Arabia or Jordan or Jordan in the in the uh, little league World Series over here. Is up until age thirteen, you need to be a resident, not a citizen. So, okay, all the sons yeah, of, yeah. of of military in the in the Saudi yeah, Arabia yeah. were playing in our first year. I mean. We had sweatpants as our pants. Everyone had, nobody had cleats. We had different, dif- different hats, shirts with, um, with, with, with just numbers that had that made no sense. We were sleeping in a bomb shelter of, 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 of the ra- of the American base rabbi in, in Rammstein in Germany on air mattresses, eating cereal cereal on on uh, uh, picnic tables outside, you know, the building. That that was our first. <laughs> Three, you know, two, three years, uh, and I remember, you know, the following year we sc- we scored our first ever run, and it I took remember a full year. Yeah, it took a full year. I mean, the the following European yeah. Championships, and I remember we got we lost twelve to one, and we got so excited we scored that one run that we actually took the Israeli flag and the whole team ran around the stadium <laughs> <laughs> waving the flag. Um, so it was it was uphill struggle, yeah. but. We've been sending teams. I've been playing for the national team now for 25 years, so in all ages. So what? So, uh, you know, aside from these tournaments, what is that first year like? I mean, who are you? Who are you actually playing? In, in Israel, it was yeah. there was no games. It was just you know, it was just practice. Practice on a crappy soccer field, hitting ground balls, playing with oversized softball gloves when you're 10 years old. I mean, yeah. you, you can imagine how it looks. Uh, you could barely lift. You could barely lift the glove. Your parents' uh, softball gloves. No, my parents. My dad even didn't but even care about baseball. Adult, adult. I mean, yeah, softball. The, the, the softball. Yeah. The, the dad of the guy who I talked yeah, about yeah, you yeah. Know, bought a bunch of softball uh, gloves, and actually, the first couple of years because I got into it, I ended up playing softball together with baseball because softball was more organized than baseball. Yeah. And then slowly, there was a team in Jerusalem, and then there was a team in in uh, Ranana and team in Kibbutz Gezer and we started kind of mingling but we're talking about even at the height of the league you're talking about there was maybe 10 games a season if it rains out if there's you know five drips of rain call you know call the game off um, it, it was you know you need to get away from the notion there was no organized really baseball yeah. I mean it was like I said it was that's still amazing though that you know not not only are you doing these these these, these tournaments but that quickly, all these other people see you playing baseball and decide that that's a thing they want sure, to do. Sure, well, you know, there's, I think it's mainly the parents. You know, when, when, when mm. you're a, a 10, 11, 12 year old, you, what usually gets you into sport is either the parents taking yeah. you to, you know, to, 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 if it's soccer, handball, whatever it is. Um, and I think we played our first field in Tel Aviv was actually pretty central public park, even though, like I said, it was a soccer field, but I think it was. A lot of foot traffic and people started seeing and people mm. saying, oh, what's this? What's that? Um, we had a bunch of uh, our first couple of coaches were ex- extremely committed and spent a lot of time with us and, and trying to get the word out. And it was a very, very slow process, which, you know, um, in one some ways we, we've, we've gone through a lot, but in a lot of other ways it's still a very small yeah. sport. Um, aside from you or any of your early, early teammates, do, do they keep playing? Most of them didn't, you know. Yeah, um, yeah most of them. I'm, I was. I'm probably. I'm the second person who ever played college ball. Is really a guy, and there's probably now about 
half a dozen. Uh, okay. We're slowly, now that the word is out, with the World Classic obviously having a little more exposure, we're now finding out all these American kids that, uh, that are born to parents who were ex-Israelis. I mean, they still have Israeli citizenship, mm-hmm. and they still have citizenship. So actually, this year, when we're playing the European Championships in Slovenia in July, um, we're going to have, I think, three or four... Um, Israeli Americans, you know, some Americans who who have Israeli citizenship, so yeah. that that should help our chances a little bit. So, how often are you actually playing baseball these days? Well, if you ever visited New York, you know that you know when it's twenty five degrees outside, it's not really ideal condition sure. to pick up a baseball. So, you know, this is about now is the time that I you know start tossing the ball about indoor. You know, hope we have Saturday. It's supposed to be forty five. We're yeah. hoping to have our first exhibition game, and I play in a couple really actually competitive leagues over here one of them is this old dominican uh league and uh, that's called the, the, the league is called the zoria league it's in brooklyn yeah. it's the all dominicans that that is a culture that's known for their baseball prowess yeah they, yeah. they are and and that's a whole you know trip on its own because yeah. these are all ex-pros um that basically got picked up and brought from the dominican republic of huh. puerto rico when they were 16 17 18 get drafted play here get released Part of their part of the, the the release package, the major league teams end up buying them a ticket to go back home through New York because New York, Puerto Rico, New York to, to Dominican, and they, a lot of them end up not getting on the connecting plane to Puerto Rico, Dominican, and they just kind of get integrated in, in, yeah. in Brooklyn. And these are the guys I'm playing, so it's nice at age 35 to still be playing competitive ball in that regards. Um, uh, so you know that's a couple of times a week, and I play in, in, in Queens and other league a couple of times a week. But still, it's a hobby. Which, if anything, you know, I like to consider myself that I'm still a good player. But the fact that I'm 35 playing, you know, once or twice a week and could still be a star pitcher for yeah. the Zoe national team, you know, I, I almost kind of not that I really want, but I almost wish like that one day we are in a position where you know the coaches say Shlomo. Thank you for your service, <laughs> but uh, we have now better players. It hasn't happened yeah. really yet, but yeah. one day. Yeah, <laughs> um, and, and and your work—they just recognize that a few times a year you're going to be. That you know what? That yeah. yeah. I mean, a lot of my work I could do online. I continue working in whatever wherever it is in the world. I, I continue answering emails and, and phone calls, and and you know I think my boss you know um, learns to appreciate that he is a baseball fan. He even came and visited me in Miami and saw one of the games. Mm. Um, that's my one uh, kind of uh, uh, safe haven. So take off, take off, and clean my my head from work. Yeah, well, that, I mean that's you know, and and if you just led this one life, that would be interesting enough. But you've also got one of the coolest jobs around. That's really, I cool. mean, <laughs> you know, Bob Mould is playing here tonight, and uh, you know, you're 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 booking these really awesome bands here. Yeah, and we're opening locations in Nashville, yeah, Napa, yeah, yeah. we're opening in Chicago. So yeah, I mean, I'm, I I I've, I think the perfect second career you know yeah. uh, once i hit 30 and i wasn't mil- making a million dollars uh, a year i kind of figured that probably be better to be realistic and not continue my my, my baseball my pursuit about a, a professional baseball career and making two thousand dollars traveling with a bus playing minor league baseball is probably not the kind of life path that i want to do so yeah all things considered be able to find two things that you really love in one lifespan is i feel very lucky how, how did how did this happen I was living in San Diego for seven years, moved here about six and a half years ago, entered a very small ad in, 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 um, in uh, uh, Craigslist yeah. saying that there's a small Jewish music label, um, 
looking for an intern. That was before this place opened. I interned for my boss for a year, basically dealing with two Jewish artists named, you know, by the name of Hannah Rothman and Pharaoh's daughter. Uh, really not doing much, and yeah. you know, after this full year, not really knowing that this is in the plan, my boss says, you know, hey, I'm opening up this place. Do you want to be a part of it? And you know, he's he's he founded the Knitting Factory. So he's a music guy, sure. and um, uh, he was my mentor, and you know, learned. Yeah, you know, basically, was part of City Winery from the ground up. So I was very lucky to find, like I said, another profession that I, that, that that I have passion to. There you go. Thanks, uh, thanks so much to City Winery and uh, Shlomo Lifitz for uh, for taking the time to do that. Um, c- kind of interesting story about how that came about. So, uh, like roughly a week or so ago, uh, I was at City Winery doing another interview for this very podcast, um, which we're holding on to because it's got to coincide with the record release. Spoiler alert: It's Brent Miller from the old '97s. Um, he introduced me to this like super tall dude with a big mustache and an Israeli accent. He was wearing kind of like a, a puffa. Papa Smurf um, winter hat. Um, it, it, uh, I was like, oh god, I need to, this, this dude's name is Shlomo. I need, I need to figure out what this guy's all about. So um, I did a little research and um, randomly uh, happened upon the fact that he's um, quite possibly uh, the best native baseball player in Israel. So I, you know, decided I had to sit down with him. So a few days later, um, I was back at Sydney Winery. Uh, actually, Bob Moulds was. Uh, doing a, a sound check in the background so I got uh, uh, got a little early uh, by pure happenstance and got to see a little bit um, of, of that and then we sat down at a table and, and had that interview um, which I thought was totally totally fascinating um, kind of shocking to me I mean I guess I guess I sort of assume that there's baseball everywhere everywhere in the, in the world at this point I realize that it's you know not quite the um, the global phenomenon of, of uh, soccer or you know football if, if you will but uh, you know it's Americans all over the place. Thought there would be some baseball over the place, but um, yeah, had not really any sort of baseball presence in, in uh, Israel until until fairly recently. So, uh, super interesting story. Um, uh, you know, I actually I explained it to somebody the other night, and and they compared it to Cool Runnings, which I think is a pretty pretty apt comparison. The Jamaican bobsled team. So you know, who knows? Maybe a, a major, maybe a, you know, major motion picture adaptation to come out of this podcast. Uh, sky's the limit. So thanks, uh, thanks to Shlomo for uh, taking the time to do that um and uh thanks to brian as always for for editing the show together thanks to mark and everybody else at the boing boing podcast network all sorts of great podcasts over there for uh for you guys to check out you can just go to boingboing.net and find them over there you can also go to itunes um everything's up in the uh the, the boing boing uh, partner page over at itunes um and then while you're at itunes take the time and and and, and rate our show we would appreciate it uh thanks uh thanks to hover for sponsoring this episode of roil coupon code is snoopy i mean if you're gonna register a domain name go 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 to hover and and enter the coupon code you get a deal and you know maybe they keep uh keep sponsoring the website it's a, it's a win-win proposition uh thanks to you guys for listening if you liked what you heard you can send us some feedback it's riylcast at gmail.com follow us on tumblr riylcast.tumblr.com and you'll you'll get a you'll get a bit of a lead on the uh on, on the shows there the shows um go up uh hours if not days before they go up on on itunes and blank so you can be the, the first and, and therefore coolest person on your block with a new episode of ROL. Uh, speaking of new episodes of ROL, we will be back next week, uh, just roughly uh, right, right around the same time. Mm-hmm.